Alright, welcome everyone back to the Real Nerdum 101 podcast. This is episode 2 and I am your gracious host, Superbeard Vince Hoover. So glad to have you back. Just for a heads up, you can always check us out at www.nerdum101.com. That's N-E-R-D-D-O-M 101.com. 101.com. Also, our podcast is now officially up on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio app, Deezer and Pippa.io, which is our hosting uh, podcast site. We do love those guys. Um, I highly recommend them. If you're starting a podcast, it's relatively inexpensive and highly easy to use. And they have great staff that will help you out 24-7. So definitely check it out, Pippa.io, for all your podcast needs. And so once again, welcome. And this is episode two. And I had planned on a couple different things for this episode, but over the weekend, it's been a kind of uh, big-ish wrestling weekend. Um, starting with, uh, uh, oh, let me let me say right off the bat, thank you to WWE and NXT for the wonderful NXT Crystal River Home Show tickets. Uh, that was uh, great of you. I appreciate it. Fantastic seats right by the right in front of the hard cam, right in the middle of the ring. Basically, it was. Really, really good, and I appreciate that very, very much, so thank you for that. And that is where we will start, is with NXT. Now, NXT, for all those who don't have the network, I do highly recommend you go get the WWE Network if you are a wrestling fan. Um, But for those who don't have it, NXT is a product, um, I guess for lack of a better term, it's the farm league, like AAA baseball is to Major League Baseball. This is where up-and-coming talent hone their skills, new signees that have been acquired from other, you know, indie indie promotions or, uh, you know, New Japan or, or anybody else. They start out uh, in NXT to kind of get the feel for the WWE way of doing things. And then they move forward from there up to the quote-unquote big leagues of Raw or SmackDown. Um, lately, however... Uh, this is, of course, a baby of Triple H. This is something he has put together and has turned it into a whole other program. It's kind of like, um, it's almost a competitor. I mean, it's the same brand. It's all WWE, but um, some people actually prefer NXT over WWE. And it's, you know, it's kind of easy to see why, to be honest. When you look at the shows of Raw and SmackDown, there's tons of segments, story arc stuff, whatever. Um, and the match is kind of take it to the wayside they, they, they kind of take it to the back burner to the overall storytelling so you have a three-hour raw show and uh here let me see here how many matches do we have total a uh, three-hour raw we had getting my notes getting my notes getting my notes uh let's see one two three four five six seven Eight, nine. So we had nine matches. This is actually a much more match-heavy Raw than typical. Uh, normally, there are not even that many. So, um, so not, that's three matches an hour. So it's an average of you know twenty minutes a match. But most of these matches only lasted ten minutes, if that, uh, because the rest of the three hours. So if you think it. You had, I'd say, one match maybe go 20, 
last match maybe went 20. So two matches that went 20 minutes. The rest went 10 minutes or less. So you're talking that seven matches, less than 10 minutes. It's a little over an hour. So about an hour, I would say an hour and a half of programming went to matches, and the other hour and a half of Raw went to segments. Just backstage stuff, interviews, recaps, which WWE does a lot of recapping. And um, to be honest, it feels like filler. Like, hey, I know you just watched this match happen, but let's recap the entire thing. Oh, by the way, that match you watched an hour ago, we're going to recap it once again. Um, or even worse, they're recapping from the week before or something else. It's just, it's, uh, yeah. My point being that in NXT, though, while you do have great storytelling, it's more match-centric. It's very uh, about the wrestlers and their talent versus the storyline behind what's going on. Most matches are just matches. Um... There's very little to a major storyline. One of the biggest ones they have right now is the uh, Tommy Ciampa, Johnny Wrestling feud. Um, they haven't really given Aleister Black somebody really to focus on yet, but you do have some new up-and-comers coming in, such as uh, EC3, who made a bit name for himself over in TNA Impact Wrestling. Uh, he's had a pre previous feud with Velveteen Dream, but... You're seeing, oh, in the Undisputed Era, they're pushing forward. Um, looking to possibly build a feud with some actual, uh, some of the United Kingdom talent. Uh, so, there's some good stuff coming there. As a matter of fact, tonight, as I record this, once I'm done recording this, NXT will be, um, their latest show will be on the network and I will be watching it. So, um, highly recommend you guys check out NXT. It's very, very good. And the house shows are just as good. Most tickets are 10 bucks for general admission, $20 for ringside. If you want it, I highly recommend you go if there's one in your town. If you enjoy wrestling, you're going to enjoy this show. Um, the crowd there, probably about 150 people. It's all the armory can really hold right here in Crystal River. Uh, and it was jam like it was full to capacity. Like they, I'm pretty sure they probably turned some people away because um, every seat was full and there was people standing. So, like I said, about 150 Maybe even 200, but I don't think they want to go that much in that venue. But that's a great thing about these shows. It's it's kind of like an indie show. I remember back when I was an independent wrestler. Um, you go to so many shows, and it's, you know, you're wrestling in front of 100, 150, 150 people. But you're able to interact with everybody. Um, so you really know whether the crowd's hot or not. It's not like at a stadium where people are loud just to be loud. You know, it's a little more intimate. A little more, you really know what's going on. And then the crowd at NXT, man, from start to finish, hot. Just start to finish, they were hot. So we'll go over the matches. Um, in in cases like house shows, there's going to be a lot of talent that people don't know. Uh, that's kind of what they're doing. They're trying them out before they put them on TV. Um, or there's talent coming in that they're just kind of wetting their whistles. As again, they learn the system. So The War Raiders uh, were up first, uh, formerly known as uh, War Machine. They've been brought over from New Japan and other places to now be NXT's big dominant tag team. The reason they changed their name is because they already had Heavy Machinery, so they didn't want more machine. And that's who they're feuding, getting ready to feud with, too. It's Heavy Machinery versus the War Raiders, now now called. Uh, they defeated Adrian... 
I'm going to butcher his name and the other guy's name, most likely. Hoyode, uh, uh, J-A-O-U-D-E, it's Brazilian, and Cesar Bonani uh, with their uh, handler, uh, uh, Tainara Conti. Uh, their Brazilian tag team uh, came out as heels big time, uh, pretty much squashed. Um, there was some great back and forth in the beginning of the match with uh, stop and arm drag versus stop and arm drag versus stop and arm drag. Um, great stuff like that, little things. But uh, basically, it was a a ten minute match, but uh, a squash match just to make the War Raiders look fantastic. Crowd was super behind them. Huge, uh, huge pop when they came out. The crowd never stopped. Um, but it was a good match. Those guys work extremely well. The Brazilians, you can tell, are green. Um, they've got some work to do, uh, botched a few things, but otherwise, not bad. Their manager, handler, whatever you want to call her, um, I mean, she came out in full wrestling gear, so I'm assuming that she's actually going to be working with the women's division, but she did really well. She really handled, you know, getting at the crowd and antagonizing them. She helped a little bit with the match, you know, interference and stuff like that, so uh, there's some talent there for sure. Um, War Raiders are freaking amazing. Those guys are awesome. I'm um, looking forward to seeing them go against Heavy Machinery and then see where they go from there. Uh, then we went into the second match. was a uh, women's division match. Uh, Rihanna Gonzalez from Texas uh, wore, a, uh, wore chaps, actually denim ja- uh, uh, chaps over her wrestling gear. Her whole thing is this Longhorn uh, Texas thing. Uh, and she's extremely tall. She's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I want to say. And then she went against uh, Casey Cantanzaro. Uh, I'm going to butcher these names. I apologize. Uh, she is uh, uh, an up-and-comer that a lot of people know of and seen her you know, here and there. Super athletic, um, but super tiny. Probably smaller than even Alexa Bliss. Just an itty-bitty thing. So it was like a David and Goliath type of fight. Uh, Casey was dominated through most of it, but then got some really innovative offense in. Uh, which was really, really cool to see. Unfortunately, at the end, she did uh, get pinned by a clothesline from hell, an old uh, Texas native JBL move. Um, Rihanna did that very well and um, just destroyed her with it. And so, uh, again, good, solid match. Um, again, crowd was hot. They you know did a good job of selling to the crowd and really getting them involved and... It was it was done very well. That one was was uh, probably another ten minute match. Probably lasted little less than the, the than the first match did. So a little longer though. Now the next match uh, was Chad Lale, who I am unfamiliar with, going against Babatunde. Babatunde, for any of you fans who have seen WWE but not necessarily watched NXT yet. Uh, if you watch the Greatest Royal Rumble out of Saudi Arabia, he was in the Royal Rumble. He was the rather large 6'10 guy with a mohawk, um, who was fairly dominant until Braun Strowman came in. And those two went at it, and he ended up getting thrown out. But um, he had another good match, uh, back and forth match with, with Chad Lale, who came out as the uh, heel in this. Although Baba Tunde kind of came out as a heel in the. Uh, uh, Royal Rumble, very much a face this time around. Good job. Um, very good with, I mean, Chad Yale's probably 
you know, six feet tall, uh, 220, you know, Baba Tunde is seven feet tall, 380. So it wasn't, you know, while Chad got some offense in, it was more from, you know, cheating and, and taking out his legs, you know, typical big, you know, t- typical offense against a big guy kind of thing. But again, fair match. Crowd was into it. Actually, it was, I mean, it was a good match, but again, it was only 10 minutes. They they kept him pretty short in the beginning uh, before an intermission. Uh, that did lead to intermission uh, for just a few minutes. They did do, um, right before an actually intermission, there was a segment with two um, new wrestlers out of India uh, who have come over um, and just, I mean, literally just moved here from India, like, the other day, just joined the uh, the performance center out there in Orlando at Full Sail. They came out to an interview talking about how they look to be uh, a dominant and, and winning tag team uh, in the WWE as well as NXT, and they did, a, you know, a decent job. They had a hard time. Um, one of them, his English isn't so good, but they did a really good job. Uh, I kind of felt bad because the one guy whose English isn't that great, he had just he told us in the middle of the interview that his mother had died like the day before. So we're like, oh, 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 man, um, sorry. <laughs> but they came out. They were very, you know, they weren't. They didn't do it Ginger Mahal style. They weren't heels in any way. They were faces. Talking about how much they love America and they're so happy to be here and stuff like that. So it's good to see that we're not making every foreign competitor from the Middle East area and Asia to be villains. So that's good. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. So that was that led into the intermission. Uh, then after intermission, we had Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan face the Forgotten Sons. Um, now, uh, Blake Murphy, who's now on Two Hundred Five Live, used to be part of a tag team tag team champion at NXT. Um, with uh. One of the guys in Forgotten Sons, and I can't... His name suddenly escapes me right in the middle of this inter- podcast, but that's okay. But they've joined up now with another guy um, who I've seen on the independent scene. Decent wrestler. Why can't I think of anybody's names all of a sudden? I'm going to look him up while I'm doing this, and I'll continue to talk while I do this. I can multitask. But, uh, of course, uh, right now, Danny Burch and Oni Larkin um, have officially signed with NXT. They weren't... They were more on a, a match-per-match contract, but now they've signed actual contracts to join NXT full-time as they're getting ready to start a feud with uh, the um, Undisputed Era. That was the, the UK people I was talking about. Uh, they are... That and Pete Dunne, uh, the United Kingdom champion, are going to probably work together against the uh, Undisputed Era. Kind of teased that last week with a match and working on those guys. Uh, Forgotten Sons... I can't spell. I'm doing this on my phone. There we go. So, but it was a decent match. Um, actually, it was a great match. There was a lot of a. I don't know how this happened, but the crowd really got into the, to the to Ani uh, Ani Larkin and Danny Birch doing uh, headlocks on the guys, and it just became a headlock fest. It was a and they kept you know headlock city chant started, and uh, it was crazy. And they did all kinds, of, including uh, Ani Larkin took. Um, all right, hold on, I'll get here. So Wesley Blake is who I was talking about, and Steve Cutter. So Wesley Blake, Steve Cutter, these are the guys. Um, Steve Cutter got put in a headlock by uh, Oni 
Ani Larkin and got taken around the ring to the fans. And um, it was just it, it was a back-and-forth headlock fest, and I never thought that that would be entertaining. But it was. It was vastly entertaining. It was a lot of fun. Just headlock after headlock, doing all kinds of different things. And uh, uh, at one point, all four guys were in a ring with Danny Burch and Andy Larkin having uh, the guys in headlocks. Uh, the Forgotten Sons bounced him off the rope, and then they spin around and just switch. And they just switch guys and lock them back into headlocks. Um, but it, it went really well. Saw those guys go over, uh, defeated the Forgotten Sons. Um, and just a great match. And that one went almost 20 minutes. Uh, just a lot, a lot of fun. Um, the next match, though, was uh, quite amazing. Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm not actually that big on the cruiserweight division. I'm not huge on the uh, spot fest style of wrestling. Uh, I'm not big on, we're going to do 700 flips in this match without telling a story. Uh, I don't like that. There's, you know, I'm, I appreciate your athleticism. It's fantastic. You can do all this stuff. But make it make sense. Make it have a reason, not just... You know, oh, I'm gonna do this, then you do this. I'm gonna do this, and is that? Like, let's see how many time, how many flips we can get in, how many crazy moves we can get in without even telling a story. Now, that being said, the next match was Ricochet versus Raul Mendoza. Ricochet is another one of the big talent signings from the independent circuit, um, and this guy is phenomenal. If you got a chance to see the uh, NXT Takeover New Orleans, which, by the way, let me say this right now. NSC Takeover New Orleans is one of the only wrestling shows that I have ever watched where, from start to finish, every match was phenomenal. Just an absolute blast. And it, to me, outshone WrestleMania 34. But, um, so there you got a chance to see Ricochet and what he can do. Now, Ricochet can do all the flips, and the guy's agility and athletic prowess is second to none. I don't think there's anybody out there that can do what this guy can do. But he also tells a story doing it. It makes sense. He doesn't just do it to do it. Uh, and you know what? Raul Mendoza, uh, same line. He's another one of those athletic flipping guys. But he too, it makes sense. Like There's a story behind it. He's not just flipping all over the ring just to flip all over the ring. Like Everything they did made sense. And those guys went for 25 minutes of just back and forth and it was really really good great you know storytelling great technical wrestling um and they had their athleticism but none of it was ever over the top to the point where it made no sense that match was just incredible and some of the things they can do and doing some of these tight flip moves in in close proximity and keeping it again making sense um you know it was fantastic Raul Mendoza really impressed me as well, um, and I'm looking forward to his match. He's got a match tonight against EC3, uh, as EC3 makes his TV debut tonight. So that should be interesting. I can't wait to see that. And, of course, anytime I get to see Ricochet, I'm happy because that guy is one of the few people in that um, cruiserweight style, but that makes sense, and he does it well, and he's, he's a great storyteller. He sells fantastically um, all around. The guy gets it. So that match was... Followed by one that um, kind of blew my mind a little bit. It was uh, Marcel Barthel uh, defeated Chang Juyang uh, from Japan. He's another one of the guys they've signed when they signed, you know, they signed Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka. 
they signed a few other guys from New Japan as well, and uh, this guy's one of them. Um, and which I thought you had the idea that this guy's going to come out and uh, win the match. Probably, you know, he's playing the face, so he might get, probably get beat down most time, but he'll come back and win. But Marcel Barthel, who's from Germany, and although he doesn't do anything... I'm just going to come out and say it. Like, he doesn't do, like, a, a Hitler-Nazi salute or anything, but he comes out um, very prim and proper and stands like a soldier and just very German. And, and and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but the way he was doing it was in a dro- It's hard to explain, but it was very, like... It was uncomfortable. It was like, oh, oh, God, this feels so... I shouldn't even be looking at this. It's, like, so wrong. The guy didn't say anything. He just was a heel. But it just, it was very, they had him, and I, I can only imagine, I mean, I'm sure the guy wouldn't allow them to be like, hey, you need to do like this. Like, um, that's, no. I feel like it's his character, but it just feels very, and maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm just being sensitive. Who knows? I am, you know, maybe I'm just being a snowflake. I don't know. But it was just very, very German soldier scary. So, but it was a squash match. Um, This was one of the matches, while some very innovative moves were in the match, Chen basically just got squashed, man. It's completely unexpected. Um, Marcel went over, went over clean. I mean, just crushed him. Like, Chen got barely any offense in at all. So that was uh, not at all expected. The uh, next match was an eight-woman tag match uh, that featured Aaliyah, Kavita Devi, Shayna Baszler, and Vanessa Bourne. Uh, and they actually picked up the win... Over Candice Ray, Dakota Kai, Carly Sane, and Stephanie Newell. Now, there's some different storylines going on here. Carly Sane and, and uh, Shayna Baszler have some history because Carly Zane beat Shayna Baszler to win the May Young Classic. Dakota Kai, they've been pushing lately that she's scared of Shayna Baszler. Um, but the teaming on the heel side was weird because Vanessa Bourne's come out and already, you know. Uh, challenged and threatened Shayna Baszler, and yet to be on the same team, um, Aaliyah and Kavita, Aaliyah and Kavita Devi, uh, Devi, uh, Devi, sorry, again, can't pronounce names, they're uh, apparently working as a tag team right now, um, you don't, don't see them on TV though, they're pretty much regulated to house shows, it was just weird, and the whole, I, I can't even describe the match, it started off well, Faces were getting over, getting some moves in, and then suddenly there was a you know a, a, a cheap shot, and then the heels took over, looking for the hot tag, but then it just all fell apart. It didn't make any sense, and I don't even know how the the, the heels won the match. That one was really weird. Uh, I don't think it was booked very well. Uh, my father, who came with me to these matches, now he's you know he's a what I like to call a laissez-faire wrestling fan. He's not into it like I am, he doesn't have, like, you know, he remembers back in the day, you know, Chief Wahoo McDaniel, you know, guys like that, um, that's when he watched, Ric Flair, way back in the day, the, you know, the Full Horseman, stuff like that, and that's when he was into it, but he got out of it, and in the 80s, he kind of got back into it, my brother and I got into it, but never really cared for it, but now he's getting back into it, he watches it with me, but he doesn't know the storylines, he doesn't know the history of these characters, he doesn't get to watch it all the time, um, so, uh, he uh he didn't understand any of it and he also but he understands enough like he used to help me when i ran a promotion on wednesday nights uh, about you know a decade ago called iwe 
Uh, we ran it out of the American Legion. He was running, and he used to help out with the shows. I mean, he understands the business enough, and he understands how things work. But to him, like, every other match made perfect sense. He understood, he got it. That match to him, he's just like, I don't, like, how did that finish? What happened? I don't understand what's going on. So it was, that was the one part of the house show that I would say was the most confusing and most, I just didn't get, make any sense. But they absolutely redeemed themselves with a 30-minute match for the uh, NXT Championship between champion Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream. Now, if you're a fan of NXT, I'm sure you saw the NXT TakeOver uh, match between Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black um, where, you know, Velveteen wanted respect and he wanted Vel- he wanted Aleister Black to say his name. That was a great feud. It built up. And even though he lost a match, he did earn the respect. And it was of Aleister Black. And it was one heck of a match. And again, they didn't disappoint this time either. They didn't go like all out, all out, it being a house show and not wanting to injure themselves. But they uh, still put on one hell of a match. And it was highly entertaining. Great back and forth. Um, Velveteen Dream looked fantastic. That kid has a bright, bright future ahead of himself. Best thing that ever could have happened to him was getting kicked out of Tough Enough the last season of it. He, uh, His ego is way too big in that show, and then now he's learned his lesson and he's come back, and now he's in a prime position to, to have a bright, bright future. And on top of that, Aleister Black, dude, if you have not seen this guy wrestle, holy crap, just watch NXT, watch him work, because man, is he amazing. Uh, he is just phenomenal, and I'm so glad that he's finally champion. Um, because the next step there is, I mean, he'll be at the you know the main roster eventually. So I'm hoping that it won't be too long before we see him move up to the main roster. I'm expecting at least like six months from now, but maybe like a SummerSlam appearance or right after SummerSlam. Uh, hopefully, they don't make him wait all the way till next year at the next Superstar Shakeup because this guy deserves to be up on the main roster, and the main roster needs some new talent. So, I know they just got some, um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah, fantastic, fantastic show. I had so much fun uh, being there. I missed going to live shows. It's been a lot of fun. So, that was great. I love NXT. It's just a great product. And, like I said, anytime anybody gets a chance to go to a house show, just a house show, you don't even have to go. I mean, you can go to Full sale and go to a TV taping, which would be phenomenal. I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Or anytime there's an NXT takeover in your town, go for it. But if you get a chance to do one of the half shows, do it. Don't don't pass it up. Best ten bucks you ever spend, man. It's fantastic. Alright. So I know I had promised an article about that particular NXT Crystal River, but I realized that that was Friday. Come Sunday was Backlash. Come then we had Monday Night Raw and, and SmackDown. So we had the app the, the fallout from Backlash. I figured, you know what? We'll just go ahead and dedicate Wednesday's episode, episode two, to all things wrestling for the week. So let's jump into Backlash, which, if you have read anything on the internet, is being royally destroyed uh, as far as <laughs> uh, fans go and, and critics and all those guys. Now, I don't necessarily pay much attention to critics most of the time. Or smart marks, as they're called, smarks. You know, most of those guys don't understand the business. Most of them have never even stepped foot in a ring. They don't understand how it really works. They think they do, and they don't. But it's that, it's that thinking they do that gets them in trouble. 
but I will say I was fairly disappointed in this pay-per-view. Uh, it started strong and just went downhill. A um, little bit of a roller coaster ride, but just mainly down. Um, uh, in the pre-show, there was a match between Bailey and uh, Ruby Riot, and Bailey had asked Sasha to come out, be in her corner, bury the hatchet, you know, blah blah blah. They're working this uh, frenemy storyline to death and need to go somewhere with it now. Now They've exploited, I think, the, the tension enough to just need to have a fallout from it. Uh, Bailey, to me, one of the best female wrestlers in the business, but because she doesn't necessarily look like one of the other ones, you know, WWE has been trying so hard to get away from the whole diva fiasco of them hiring models instead of wrestlers. It's like, oh, it's not about your looks, it's about your skill. However... It's still kind of about your looks. So Bailey's kind of getting buried, even though she's one of the best wrestlers uh, they have. Um, but she faced Ruby Riot and the Riot Squad. The Riot Squad, of course, in, the, in Ruby Riot's corner. They interfere. Uh, cost Bailey the match. She loses, and then, of course, gets attacked, and there's Sasha Banks. Nowhere to be found. Just watching the monitor. It is what it is. It was just pointless. So we actually get into Backlash. And the very first match is Seth Rollins defending his Intercontinental title against The Miz. Now, one thing I'll say about Backlash, this is the first co-branded pay-per-view they've done. They've decided that all their pay-per-views will now be co-branded. Instead of doing one month SmackDown, one month Raw, co-branded at the big shows. Like Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, co-branded. The rest are all split, you know, one month this one, one month that one, blah, blah, blah. Now it's 100% co-branded, which is good if they can tell a good story, but the problem is is that it's going to lead to a lot of people not being on the card. It's going to lead to a lot of people not getting a spot on a pay-per-view. Um, so you're going to see a lot of frustration, I think, in the back. Um, but again, um, there were uh, five championship matches, and I'll go ahead and say it right now, not a single title change hands. Not a single title changed hands. It was, uh, and it was kind of expected for some of them. Like, so Seth Mal, uh, Rollins and The Miz started the match, or uh, started the night off with their match, and um, it was fantastic. Those guys put on a clinic. A back and forth, well contested match. Great storytelling. It was phenomenal to watch. Uh, problem is, they sold the show and set the bar too high for everybody else. And, um, but no one expected The Miz to win that. Um, if The Miz had won, he'd be taking the, uh, Intercontinental title over to SmackDown, where he's recently been traded to. And then that leaves an absentee Universal Champion and Tag Team Champions only on Raw. And then you'd have the Intercontinental title, the United States title... The and then the tag team championships and then the world uh, the WWE championship all on SmackDown. So I didn't think you know they were gonna obviously they weren't gonna do that. So uh, again, very very back and forth. Well done. Um, both of them kicking out of uh, finishers, except for you know the Miz did eat the curb stomp and stayed down. Um. But well done there, and it just set the bar way too high. 
Uh, now, the next match was Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss. And this one was actually, I think, a better match than the uh, WrestleMania match. Um, you saw a little bit more offense from the side of Alexa Bliss. It was back and forth. It was a decent match, but again, Alexa Bliss got destroyed and apparently hurt her shoulder. Um, the injury has not been fully defined yet. We don't know if she's going to be out for any amount of time or not, but apparently she did get injured. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But Nia Jax defeated her and remained champion. And then we move on to Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. Now this one was one I wasn't sure if it would change hands or not. Uh, they're both on SmackDown. Uh, Jeff Hardy did just come over, but at the same time, Randy Orton only got the belt, only had the belt for like a month. So, you know, we didn't know. But, you know, a decent match. Um, two veterans in the ring working well together. Uh, just not up to the, to the par of a, to what Seth Rollins and The Miz did. So, I mean, had they gone first, their match probably would have looked a lot better than it did, you know, going after them. But Jeff Hardy defeated Randy Orton and uh, retained his title. Uh, then you had the Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass, in which uh, Big Cass is nowhere near the caliber wrestler of a Daniel Bryan. It's not even I guess, not even in the same ballpark. Um, but that's kind of why they're putting him with Daniel Bryan in this feud. Um, the only problem there is is that they tease the whole Miz versus Daniel Bryan, them getting back into it. They've been building up for eight years now. Um, having a big blowout on Talking Smack, and you know, we're like, "Oh man, he's retired. It's never gonna. We're never gonna see them feud." Then he comes back. Then Miz goes to SmackDown. They have some tweets back and forth. Oh man, we're gonna have it. We're gonna. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. No, Daniel Bryan's um, dealing with big cast, and that's where they're running with it. But anytime I can see Daniel Bryan wrestling again, I am a hundred percent for it. Uh, the guy is amazing. Uh, incredibly talented, going all the way back to his days as the American Dragon, uh, uh, Brian Danielson. Um, holy crap. Just, I remember him at FIP shows and Ring of Honor and, and seeing him over in New Japan. Always, always, always he's been amazing. And has done nothing but get better. Um, I also have a soft spot for him because he's from Washington State, which I happen to love. But regardless of that, he is, you know, one of the best wrestlers of all time best talents of all time so it's great to see him back in the ring um he did such a phenomenal job at the uh greatest royal rumble lasting over an hour breaking the record uh breaking the record for outlasting people even though he was um eliminated 48th um just great great guy great great talent defeated big cast made him tap and then cast beat the crap out of him after the match um so, but then, you know, leading into SmackDown, you'd think that more would happen with him and Big Cass, but it didn't. And we'll get to that when we get to the SmackDown. Um, but that match, I mean, it was all on Daniel Bryan's shoulders. You know, Daniel Bryan's shoulders, he's having to carry a seven-foot dude. But he does his best, matches okay, you know. He's phenomenal, just Big Cass isn't, isn't great, so. The next match is Carmella versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship and Carmelo retains the title. Uh, Charlotte uh, apparently hurt her knee on a moonsault, and Carmella capitalized and kept the belt. Uh, not a bad match. Um, decent storytelling. Um, 
I was glad to see. I was actually glad to see Carmilla go over uh, instead of making her look like just a stooge who happened to cheat for the title. She actually got a, a clean victory on her. Still slightly tainted because Charlotte hurt her leg, quote unquote. But it, all in all, it was good. In fact, she dominated half the match. She she was getting some great offense in. So glad to see her coming about and uh, coming into being one of the uh, WWE uh, women's talent. So. We'll see where it goes from here. Again, decent match. Halfway, you know, C plus, B minus, something like that. You know, you could say. Um, now, the next match, um, which its placement in the match made uh, in the card made no sense to me because this is the WWE Championship, and yet it's regulated to second from last match. Not even like co-main event or main. It should have been main event because it's the only, uh, you know actual like men's championship match it should have been the should have been it should have been the main event but it wasn't this tells you where the state of the company's going but aj styles versus shinsuke nakamura ended in no contest it was a no disqualification match that had (laughs) some some low blows to say the least aj ended up stooping to uh shinsuke's level um but the guys went at it went back and forth good match um a lot of people were upset with them ending with uh, the two of them kicking each other in the nuts and not able to get up um, t- from the 10 count. So it was, again, deemed a no contest because neither one of them could rise by the 10 count, the ref's 10 count. But I actually, I can see where they're going with that. Had they not done it that way, because there's no count outs in a no disqualification match, except for when neither competitor can reach their feet by 10. Um, but you couldn't be thrown out of the ring and get a 10 count, uh, you know, a count out. So, why do they do this? Well, what it did is it allows the feud to keep going without the title changing hands, but without Shinsuke Nakamura losing. Because if he had lost again, there'd be no reason for that feud to continue. If AJ had beaten him in his no no disqualification match, that would be the end of the feud, and they want to keep it going because they have great chemistry together. So, plus they don't have a hundred. I don't think they hundred percent have an idea of how they want to continue with the title feuds like who's next um i think it's samoa joe um but you don't i you know you don't you never know so i actually appreciated the ending of the double low blow leading to the mean count as a 10 because that was like the fourth low blow to each other at that point so uh so for some reason this match came after there's actually two matches after the championship match the first one being Braun Strowman versus Bobby Lashley against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And that was just an atypical match or a typical a typical match with Braun Strowman in it. You know, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley dominating. Yes, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn got some uh offense in, but then Sami Zayn just tried to leave, said, Screw it, I'm out of here. Kevin stopped him. Um, where are you going? Blah blah blah. And then Kevin or Sammy threw Kevin back in the ring, saying, "You can do it. I'm on my ear on your own." And he got, you know, hit by Braun Strowman. He then rolled back out of the ring, and then he threw Sammy in. Sammy got hit by Braun Strowman. He rolled back out of the ring. Sammy slaps Kevin. Uh, I do think they're eventually leading to the two of them feuding again. Um, but then Kevin Owens gets thrown back in the ring. Braun Strowman finally gets to pin him. It's over. Um, while well, they're kind of teasing a turn between Sammy and Kevin, I kind of was hoping to see a turn from Bobby Lashley against Braun Strowman to put those two against each other, but that didn't happen. 
they're really stuck on keeping him a baby face, I guess. So Bobby Lashley um, kind of not really producing anything since he's been back, but we'll see. Then, of course, the main event was the ever-dreaded Roman Reigns versus Samoa Joe match. Man, do people hate Roman Reigns. Oh, man. And what's funny is that the people, the fans, they asked for this. Back when Roman Reigns was in the Shield, everybody was all about Roman Reigns breaking off and doing his own thing. Everybody loved Roman Reigns. He was their favorite. I can actually remember promos where the guys were ranking each other. And, you know, Seth would get a little bit of, you know, yay, and then Dean, yay, and then, and then Roman in a place would just explode. Um, yeah, and then, so, it's just like, you know, once WWE saw that, like, okay, uh, well, we're going to break up the, the shield. Let's push Roman Reigns, because the fans want it. Well, now that he's the new John Cena, he's taking John Cena's place as Vince's it guy, fans are, are smart to it, and they hate it. Not to mention he's kind of even more one-dimensional than John Cena was as far as a moveset. And don't get me wrong, I'm actually a John Cena fan. But I'm a fan of who he is and what he does outside the ring more so than what he does in the ring. He's also one of the best guys on the mic. So, But see, Roman doesn't even have that. Roman doesn't have the mic skills that these guys have. So, And then it's just... Uh... Then you got a guy like Samoa Joe. Fantastic mic skills. Killer moveset. And just an ep- epic talent, man. My God, is he one of the best in the ring. I can remember uh, being down at TNA way back in the day when they started. I remember Ru- Samoa Joe's first match. When he first ran, I was there live. And holy crap, the dude was scary, intimidating, and very, very impressive. And he still is. And uh, the end of the match made no sense. I mean, he was really putting a beating on Roman... And really, just it should have ended. But I guess they couldn't bury Roman again after they've been buried him so much with Brock Lesnar. So Roman Reigns gets the win in the main event, which makes no sense because it was a non-title match. Shouldn't have been in the main event. But it is what it is, and everybody is mad. Very, very mad. So this leads into Raw. Now, like I said with Raw and SmackDown, they have a big habit of having more talking than wrestling. So let's take a look and see what happened. Uh, starts off with Kurt Angle talking about there's going to be some qualifying matches for Money in the Bank, which is the next upcoming pay-per-view, uh, which I am excited for. There's He announces that there will be um, one men's and one women's qualifying match. Both of them being triple threat matches to qualify for the mo- first people to qualify for the Money in the Bank match. Overall, you're going to have four from SmackDown, four from Raw for each one of those matches. Uh, Braun Strowman comes out and says that he's been on a hot streak, you know, winning the Royal, uh, greatest Royal Rumble, winning the tag team titles with a 10-year-old from WrestleMania, which I still thought was actually a great segment. And then, of course, beating Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn uh, at Backlash the night before. And that he deserves a, ch- a shot uh, at a Money in the Bank qualifying match. He's not in the three... The, the, let me... Uh, hold on. So the women's triple threat match is Ember Moon versus Ruby Wright versus Sasha Banks. The men's triple threat is Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn versus Finn Balor. So... Braun Strowman comes out and said he deserves a spot, which Angle agrees, but before he can announce who he's actually going to face, Kevin Owens comes out and interrupts, saying that he deserves a match because Strowman pinned the wrong man at Backlash, which was actually true. 
Uh, Kevin Owens was actually not the legal man who got, but he got pinned. Um, he also says that Owens is more deserving. He's the true MVP of Raw. Uh, reminds Angle that Stephanie McMahon is watching, and Stephanie McMahon is the one who went over Angle's head and signed both Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to Raw. Um, so he's just like, you know, basically telling Kurt Angle to make the right decision, blah, blah, blah. But he's not asking for a qualifying match. He's saying that he deserves to be put right into the match. Uh, instead, Angle says that he does have a qualifying match, and it's against Braun Strowman right at that moment. So the very first match is Strowman versus Kevin Owens, which goes exactly how you expect. Although it's a little back and forth, Braun Strowman ends up beating the crap out of Kevin Owens and winning the match. So Braun Strowman is your first person in the Money in a Bank qualify, uh, ladder match. And then this is where things get weird. So Kurt Angle's backstage, and Goldusk, of all people, comes up and asks for a spot in a qualifying match. Now, here's the thing. Over the last few months, Goldust has tried to get away from the goofy Goldust and back to the original uh, serious, maniacal Goldust. But apparently that's all gone out the window because now he's back to being goofy. Quoting movies and having his little tics. And it's crazy. Uh, but in the middle of them talking, Jinder Mahal comes out saying, oh, why am I not in a qualifying match, I know I should have the same perks as Brock Lesnar, and then you screwed me over, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, is he hasn't won a single match since coming to Raw, so of course he doesn't qualify, or deserve a qualification match. Uh, but he does get a rematch against Chad Gable, who beat him last week. Uh, so he has to go off and prepare for that. Uh, Angle does say that if Ginger Mahal beats Chad Gable, he may consider possibly putting him in uh, the qualifying match and making it a fatal four-way, maybe. So the next match is the Revival and Baron Corbin versus No Way Jose and Titus Worldwide of Titus and uh, Apollo Crews. Before we go any further, for anybody who got to see the Greatest Royal Rumble, if you saw what has been affectionately known as Titus World Slide, oh my god, that's hilarious, but he could have killed himself. Uh, he was literally inches away from hitting that center pole, but man, that's not one of the funniest things ever. Um, however, uh, Corbin beats Noe Jose and ends up pinning Noe Jose after hitting End of Days. And Corbin and the Revival go over uh, Titus Worldwide and Noe Jose. Don't know what they're doing with any of these guys, to be honest. It's kind of hard to say. Um, I do have a major issue with the Revival. Uh, I don't particularly care for them, but that's because they've stolen their, stolen their gimmick from uh, local wrestlers here in Tampa uh, who happen to be friends of mine. And they straight up stole their entire gimmick from them. So that's, it's really jacked up. But uh, that's a personal vendetta, so it is what it is. So from there we go on to the, fir uh, to the first official qualifying match, which is the women's triple threat, uh, which you see uh, Ember Moon win, which was actually great because I was really worried they were going to put it on Sasha again and keep pushing her. Uh, but Ember Moon did fantastic. She hit... Both uh, Ruby Riot and Sasha Banks at the same time with an eclipse, and got the win. Uh, Bailey did, however, come out even though Sasha didn't come out for her. Uh, Bailey did come out when the Riot Squad jumped um, Sasha after the match. Bailey came out and made the save. So then there was an interview with Bobby Lashley talking about how we're going to get to know Bobby Lashley more. You know who the man is, and then it's a you know six or seven minute segment about him talking about his sisters. That was it. It was just weird. 
Um, then there's a segment with Sammy and KO backstage. He apologized. Sammy apologized for slapping Owen, saying he got in the heat of the moment and got to, got to him, but that uh, he will win the triple threat later on as long as Owens is in his corner and there to help him, um, which Owens says he will be, and he walks away because he's still upset. Uh, then you have the Jinder Mahal versus Chad Gable match, which sees Mahal defeat Gable, which was expected. Um, and then Sunil Singh gets in Gable's face and starts berating him, and of course Chad pushes him away, causing Jinder to beat him down even more. Uh, and then, again, another out-of-nowhere segment, you got Zack Ryder talking to Kurt Angle about a possible opportunity. Um, again, why? Where, like, what the heck is going on? Where do these guys, like, is it just a way to get these guys on TV for a second? I don't understand. It was just, I, uh. Jinder comes back there and he says, you know, now I defeated Gable, you need to add me, and of course Kurt Angle declines. Because, you know, the one victory doesn't make it worth it. You know, whatever. Then you had Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre versus Heath Slater and Rhino. Uh, we did have a really cool moment in the very beginning when Drew McIntyre started off with Heath Slater um, a little uh, three-man band reunion that <laughs> lasted all of one second. Uh, and then <laughs> McIntyre just started to, to beat the crap out of him. And of course, they win with their Claymore zigzag combination and continue their dominant mid-card ways. Um, right after that, you saw Elias uh, go against Bobby Roode. Of course, first it started with a concert from Elias, which I'm with Corey Graves on this one. I can't stand it. It's stupid. Uh, but at the same time, the character is very reminiscent of, he's a modern day honky tonk man. It's just the same kind of gimmick. Um, and it goes, and it works. And the guy's a heck of a wrestler, um, a heck of a talent. So, um, but you do see, uh, uh, Bobby, or Bobby Lashley, uh, Bobby Roode, the glorious one. You do see him go over, um, which I'm excited for, because I also remember, uh, Bobby Roode in TNA when it started. And seeing him with Team Canada, you know, back with Eric Young and Petey Williams and those guys. So, um, excited to see him get his push here in WWE and, and hopefully, you know, he gets into the ladder match. Because that's what he says in his interview afterwards, that he hopes this will help him get into some kind of uh, Money to Bank qualifying match next week. So, we'll see. Then Seth Rollins comes out and gives a promo talking about the match he had with The Miz and how great it was, but how... Uh, the one thing he doesn't like about The Miz was that he never defended his championship. He's always running, you know, or cheating, and he wants to be a fighting champion. So there's an Intercontinental Champion Open Challenge. Apparently this has got to be an Open Challenge for some title, so... Ooh, that's good. Vanilla Pepsi, guys. Um, Mojo Riley accepts the Open Challenge and comes out. That's a decent match. Uh, Seth Rollins carries him most way through, but it's back and forth. Uh, well done, but Seth Rollins obviously wins and keeps the title, and they go on from there. Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, who are now tag team champions for Raw, uh, the Deleter of Worlds, which I absolutely love. This gimmick, it's fantastic, it's crazy, it's insane, it's over the top, it's very 80s wrestling, and I love it. Uh, they went against the Mistourage, which they're not really the Mistourage anymore, because they said they need to spread their wings and go their own way. But, um... Yeah, no, it's, uh, as you expected, they lost to the champions. And that leads to the Money in the Bank qualifying match main event, which is Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, and Sami Zayn. Now, uh, this match is kind of crazy. At one point, Sami Zayn and Finn Balor realize they need to team up 
and they end up beating the crap out of Roman Reigns and throwing him out into the crowd and getting him way out of the way. Uh, although he does come back and tries to stop uh, a pinfall, but is again knocked out of the ring uh, just long enough for Balor to hit Sami Zayn with the coup de gras and win the match. So you're uh, you have Braun Strowman and Finn Balor thus far qualified for the Raw side of Money in the Bank. So, you know, just kind of it kind of felt along the same lines as Backlash, man. It just kind of it wasn't great. I mean, lately I've been actually really enjoying the product for WWE, but this this pay-per-view and this Raw and I will also say SmackDown just were not not great, you know. Now there weren't as many backstage segments with SmackDown this week, but a lot more of just you know, a bunch of these uh, Facebook Live style videos of wrestlers saying how they want to be in the Money in the Bank and what they're going to do and blah, blah, blah. It was just, uh... But the first um, match you saw was a Money in the Bank qualifying match between The Miz and Jeff Hardy. This was actually a really good match. These guys did really well. And The Miz ended up defeating Jeff Hardy um, and moving on to the Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, which makes sense. Um, Jeff Hardy's already got the United States title. He needs to defend that. Uh, so, um, and I'm happy to see the Miz in the Money in the Bank. He can do some good stuff. Then you had a Money in the Bank qualifying match um, against uh, Charlotte Flair defeating Peyton Royce. Uh, but this was a back-and-forth match. It was really, really good. Um, I enjoyed it. Glad to see the Iconics move up and what they can do. They're they're funny and great heel uh, female characters. It's 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 done really well, but they're great wrestlers too. So, but Charlotte Fair won, moving on the Money in the Bank. But we'll have to see because there has it has been released that she will be, um, after the European house shows coming up, that she will be going to get surgery for a busted breast implant. Uh, so we'll have to see if she'll actually be able to physically be cleared for Money in the Bank. We'll see. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura says he's not done with AJ Styles in a backstage interview. Uh, there's a segment where Cesaro kind of gets on uh, Sheamus for not being able to beat Xavier Woods. And he says, oh, yeah, I can beat him. You know, I know you couldn't do it, but I could do it, blah, blah, blah. So there's they're building some, I, get, I don't know why, but some kind of tension between the bar. Uh, but then a New Day had filled their gym's bags with pancakes, so they get super pissed. They come out. Xavier Woods goes against Cesaro. Now, you would think... From a storyline spec point, you had last week where Sheamus got pinned by Xavier Woods. So, to build this feud for the tag teams, you'd think that, because it was a distraction by, you know, the New Day, you would think that they would do the same kind of thing and be like, oh my god, they both, you know, we both, what, this isn't right, how can we both lose? But no, Sheamus beats him. Uh, and actually caused Xavier Woods to bite his tongue so bad he put a hole in it. Blood everywhere, it was gross, but... Um, yeah, just, so now it makes look, it makes it look like exactly like what Cesaro said, that he's better than Sheamus. So, are they teasing tension between the bar? Are they going to split those guys up? Who knows? Uh, it just seemed really weird. Um, one cool segment, though, was that during the match, is that Sheamus actually took a selfie, uh, while Cesaro was choking Xavier Woods on the ropes, and he got Xavier Woods' face in it, so that was pretty funny. So then from there, you had, uh... Mandy Rose versus Becky Lynch. Um, just a random match. But what they did do is Paige is 
you know, has come out and said that the Ascension is dead. Um, these girls need to do it on their own. Um, so she barred Sonya Deville from ringside, uh, which of course got her upset. They're pushing Paige as a, um, a babyface GM. So, but Mandy Rose got a clean win over Becky Lynch, so they're burying the crap out of Becky Lynch again. I don't understand that either because she's uber talented, but we'll see. And then the final match was Rusev versus Daniel Bryan for a Money in the Bank qualifying spot. Uh, great back and forth match. These guys worked very well together. It was fantastic to watch. A lot of enjoyment. Um, I expected Rusev to go over, but I expected it to be because Big Cass distracted Daniel Bryan somehow. This didn't happen. He didn't even come out. Um, he took credit for it in an exclusive interview that was on WWE.com after SmackDown went off the air. He's like, oh, I, it's because I, you know, I beat him up so bad after our match at Backlash. He wasn't able to compete properly. He wasn't in the right mind. I don't get it. I'm, I mean, again, I wanted Rusev to win. I wanted him to be. I wanted, you know, Daniel Bryan doesn't need to be in ladder matches after just coming back from everything he's come back from. Um, but at the same time, I, just, I don't understand having just Daniel Bryan lose clean to Rusev like that. But happy to see Rusev and happy Rusev Day to everybody. By the way. Um, but why, why was that like that? I don't understand. And then they show Daniel Bryan kind of just doubting himself and being so upset on the side of the ring. It reminded me of back when John Cena had that year of losses, like where he just could not win after he comes back, Brock Lesnar destroys him. And then he goes against the rock and loses and he just kept losing, losing, losing. And it, that's what it seemed like. He was just down and just like, what are they? I don't, what the heck is going on? I don't know. I don't know what's, what they're doing with that, but um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I don't know. So, what are the plans now for Daniel Bryan? You know, what are they gonna do with him? Um, they need to do something because he's still the hottest star they got. Um, I want to see Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles again. I want to see something like that. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Um, all right, guys, that is today's podcast. We're hitting the hour mark right now, so I was able to get that in in time, which is good. Um, please, uh, follow us here, go to Nerdum 101, that's N-E-R-D-D, two D's, N-E-R-D-D-O-M, 101.com, uh, like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter, at SuperBeardVH, uh, you can also hit us up on iTunes, subscribe there, uh, I will be eventually getting these up on YouTube as well, um, so you'll be able to subscribe to that as well, but there's, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartRadio app, um, Pippa.io, all the fun jazz. Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, comment if you have any comments about wrestling, about these events, what your thoughts, what you agreed or disagreed with, how you rated things, who's your favorite wrestler, anything like that. I want to hear it all, so please, please, please comment. You know, Let us know. You can hit us up again on Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want to do. Uh, let us know what you think, and again, I appreciate it. So again, I am Super Vince Over. Once again, thank you for listening. This has been episode two of the Real Nerdum 101 podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel, all that fun jazz.